It's time for Bourbon with Friends, the bourbon podcast that never takes itself too seriously. Pull up a chair, grab a glass, and remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bourbon with Friends. My name is Connor. I'm here with my co-host, Paul. As always, funny thing, Paul, uh, I'm not sure when we're going to air this episode, probably not for a few weeks, but um, both University of Miami and University of Connecticut in the men's Final Four. Yeah, well, hopefully this time next week, as you can see, I'm rocking. When this comes out, the U will be national champions. I hope so, man. It's funny when we were in Colorado together, Providence was playing, which is like my home state kind of. And now Connecticut's in the final four as well. So like my teams are doing real good. And I guess uh, Kentucky lost. So I don't know. Well, I yeah, don't know what you're talking about. Providence doing good. They did lose in the first round. Well, they still were whatever. Connecticut's in the final four. I don't know when the last time that happened. I didn't even know Connecticut was good at basketball. Connecticut um, last time they were in the final four, I think was 20... 20- 2011 and so kentucky actually ran into connecticut sophomore year high school two of kentucky's losses in the final four i believe one was in actually i think one was 09 and one was 11 and one kentucky lost to uconn in the final four and the other one they lost to uconn in the national title game there you go losing to uconn seems about right um anyways we are here with a um a uh Two individuals that I'm very excited to speak to. And I did a little bit of research on y'all's brand. Um, You guys were kind enough to send us some samples of your whiskey here. And I have a lot of questions. And I'm excited to to dive deeper into your brand and who y'all are. Uh, We have Autumn and Joyce, co-owners of of Jephthah Creed, uh, here today. And... um, Thank you all both very much for uh, joining the podcast tonight. Well, thank yeah, no you problem. Thanks for having us. We're excited. If you guys don't know where Jep the Creed is and you've ever been on 64 in Kentucky, it's the big one on the right-hand side as you're going east to Lexington. I can understand why you're leaving Louisville, but you can stop there. It's literally so easy. It's right off the exit, and uh, and it's really cool. How, how long have you guys had the distillery up and, and operating now? We opened to the public November 11th of 2016. So, so we just celebrated six years last November. Uh, very, in terms of distilleries, you guys are definitely one of the newer ones, especially in Kentucky. Very much so. We're still young as far as <laughs> distilleries in Kentucky go. Well, before well, Connor goes... yourself to all the uh, 100-year-old distilleries in the area, yet we're very, very young. Well, yeah, I mean, look, there's so many craft brands and new brands that are coming in. But, you know, when you kind of take the aspect of those out of out of there, which sometimes you have to because they have been around, like you said, for, you know, 100 plus years. It's it's cool to see a lot of these news. You guys have a really nice, clean facility that that's up, uh, you know, right out right off the highway. Very easy to spot. Uh, So. But the, the number one question is, what kind of made you you two go, you know what? Gosh, darn it. Let's start. Let's do a whiskey brand and then let's build a distillery <laughs> because anybody that wakes up and thinks that has to have a little bit of crazy shit going on in their brain because this is a wild <laughs> industry crazy shit in our brains i think yeah. it is in the head. It. Yeah. 
or you guys were really just really drunk, and that's fine too. Either either answer is exceptional. Well, uh, we kind of got started when um, my husband grew up as a dairy farmer, and we had a dairy of our own for a while, and we wanted to um, build something for our kids. And my background is in chemical engineering, and I worked in industrial distillation for um, many years. And we wanted to build something for our kids that used both sets of skills and used the farm and ground to glass distillery is what we came up with. Um, so my husband grows the corn and then I distill it with my engineering background and we make a beautiful bourbon product. Uh, so Autumn, you want to talk about how you got, <laughs> got oh, Hold on, Joyce, wait a minute, wait a minute though. Mm-hmm. That's like such a Cliff Notes version there. That, that, like, I know you wanted to build something for your kids, but it's just like not too many people go it. You know what? Shit. I have a farm. You can grow corn. I'm going to distill this shit and we're just going to make a bunch of whiskey. Like that's not like what it is. Like, I mean, now, listen, some people might think that in their brains, but not a lot of people do it. What was the aspect that made you go like that said this could be a, be something obviously you have the background in engineering but what kind of made it go from a conversation to hey let's put this in motion well um there is a little bit more to the story that was kind of a, the cliff notes version hmm. but but it kind of sums it all up um it's, it did start with my husband and my husband you know autumn and i are entrepreneurs for sure my husband is like an entrepreneur to the nth degree, just crazy entrepreneurial. And um, my background is, you know, the chemical engineering is is in my background. But then I, mm-hmm. I left engineering to teach high school chemistry and physics. And I did that for several years and learned some valuable experience, you know, got some valuable experience there. You know, teaching high schoolers and trying to keep their attention and keep the classroom controlled. Those classroom management skills are just hugely important. And they really come in handy Mm. here at the distillery when we have like bachelor and bachelorette groups, it's kind of the same mentality going on. And Mm -hmm. you know, those classroom management skills, they come in super Mm -hmm. handy there. Then Mm -hmm. I left um, teaching when my husband started some other businesses and I left to become his chief financial officer. So there I was working in accounts payable and accounts receivable and depreciation schedules and learned the huge, gigantic importance of cash flow. So I just kind of look at my uh, career and my background and I go, oh, well, that's, you know, kind of it all comes together really, really well to run the distillery. But the distillery itself was my husband's idea. And like I said, he grew up as a dairy farmer and he started some other businesses and it's just been very entrepreneurial his whole entire life. And he started talking about thinking that building a distillery was this great idea based on like what we just said. It was a great idea. And I was like, golly, we have all these other things going on. No, distillery is a crazy idea. This is not what we need to be doing right now. But he kept on talking about it. And I got to the point where I was like, He's going to do this thing. And if he's going to do this thing, he needs some training. And I found Moonshine University in Louisville, and they had a five-day distiller's course. I got Mm. him signed up for the class. And it just happened to be their very, very first class because I didn't want him to blow himself up or to go blind or any of those kinds of things. This is delicious. (laughs) Three days later, I can't see shit. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, so I got him signed up, but then he couldn't go. So I'd already paid for it. And so I went. Autumn says that uh, my husband deliberately couldn't go, but I guess that's a continuation has, of the story. He has never confirmed nor denied that he scheduled a business trip to Detroit in the middle of a snowstorm in January on purpose that's, that just to get her fishy. to go. Yeah. He hadn't gone on a business trip like that in probably two years at that point. And then all of a sudden, the one week he's supposed to do this. That's class, called spousal recognition go. and knowing that she was not going <laughs> to let that money go to waste. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. Joyce, so I think I you think, got played. Yeah, I did. I did. And, and there's more there's more to this. And, and the hard part of the story is, is, is going to come here in just a few minutes. You all might appreciate it. Um. So I went to the class and in the class, I fell back in love with my engineering and I fell back in love with copper. But the most important piece that came out of that class was the concept of ground to glass. That with my husband's agricultural expertise, we could grow our own beautiful heirloom varietal of corn. I could distill it and make a beautiful bourbon. And I came out of that class with that concept so now whenever I tell that story, I now have to say that my husband was right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> do, do, you need to take a drink? do you need to take a drink real fast? Just yes, I really to, could. I really could. Take, just to get the taste out of your mouth. <laughs> We're going to start with four grain, right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, let's drink already. Good. We'll start drinking while Autumn starts selling her story. This is good. I like. I like when they just jump right in. All right. We're like, hang on. Four green. Which one's that? That's Autumn's like not green. marked. I don't have. Uh, Are there colors? They, they, they got the no. sample bottles. It's marked. Oh, it is marked on the side. It's marked oh, on yeah. the side, Connor. So, Joyce's job is to. Make the juice. Autumn, your job, more or less, is to sell the juice. Pretty much. Yeah, so back when we first started talking about starting a distillery, it was January 2013. I was 18 at the time. So wasn't legally allowed to drink. At gullible. Yeah, yeah, gullible too. Yeah, both of those. (laughs) (laughs) And... I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for my career. And when they first brought it up, I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know anything about bourbon other than it tasted good. And there you go. That's impressive for an 18 year old. I didn't even think bourbon tasted good when I was 18. (laughs) Good for you. It's crazy (laughs) that he likes it because he's only 20 now. It's wild. 26 (laughs) for legal purposes. Don't say 20. Sorry. 21 in a day. (laughs) So, to try being only 45 minutes away from all the major bourbon distilleries in Kentucky, you know, and all of them do tours, or at least most of them do tours, it was pretty easy to get in and uh, do some tours around the distilleries, really check it out, find out more about the process. And that's what we did for my spring break when I came back from school was the whole family, we piled in the car and we went around, took a couple days and went to some different distilleries. And the very last one we went to was actually Woodford Reserve. And this was 2013. And 
it wasn't crazy uncommon for you to be the only group on a tour or tasting. You know, it's not the case anymore. Right. But back then we were the only ones on the tour. The tour guide found out that I wanted to go into distilling as a career possibly. And he just really took me under his wing. And a, a one hour tour ended up lasting two and a half hours because he just really went in depth showing me everything, pulling people off the line out of work just to talk to me about the industry. And that was really where I fell in love with distillation and the art and the science behind it. Right. And that's when I decided that, nope, yep, this would be a really cool industry to get into. Problem was being 18, 19 at that time, nobody wants to teach you how to make something you're not legally allowed to drink. So I found a program over in Scotland at Harriet Watt University where I could learn distillation. Uh, Scotland. Yeah, Scotland. Oh, with the Highland Coos and, and Edinburgh. But uh, it's the wee dram. It's the wee, it's the wee dram. <laughs> Lived there for a year, learned a lot, including that I did not inherit the chemical engineering mind from my mother. Uh, chemistry goes in one ear and out the other. So I was never S- going to same, be master distiller. <laughs> and so I came back home. At that point, we were starting to build a distillery. And I got my degree in marketing and really focused on, okay, what, what piece are we really missing here in the business? We've got my mother who is now going to be our master distiller. She can make it. My dad can grow all of the grains that we need to make the product, but we really don't have the knowledge to get it out the door quite yet. So I went back to school, got my degree in marketing and, uh, that's the department I'm over now is marketing and sales. So now she's so our master marketer. The master marketer. That's the master that's marketer. such that is a I love one of my favorite parts about whiskey is all the awesome job titles. You have a master distiller, a master blender, blender a master, master taster, taster, a master marketer. I've never heard that one until now, but um mm. that is that is fantastic. And one of the things that really interested me about your brand and your distillery is the fact that people will say, Oh, it's a family business. And yeah, like there's, there's elements of the family and, and maybe it's like a distant cousin runs this. And then like the uncle does this. And maybe one of the younger cousins is a truck driver or whatever, but you guys are literally a family business through and through. I mean, you guys are from, from grounds to glass, a part of your direct family is is overseeing operations in that respect. So what are the troubles that go into a day-to-day operation when autumn and for in your example for you you are working with your mom and dad all the time. It can be challenging. It really can. I mean, you, you spend a lot of time with these people and what ends up happening is, you know, you, you go over and you have family dinner and instead of talking about <laughs> normal family stuff, you, you talk about what happened with the business you, that day. Do you fight less, though, <laughs> or do you fight more? Like, that's the question. I don't know. We still fight. <laughs> no, I know. But, like, you know, a lot of families, like, they get around and then, you know, it might be you might argue about sports or politics 
or stuff like that. But now do you just argue about how many cases you sold and why profit you're not selling? Profit margins or something? Pro- yeah, profit <laughs> margins. Why why mom's not creating more unique mash bills? Like, what the hell is like, what do you do Like in that situation? I don't think we fight more. I think there'd be the same level of... Or more unique. Fighting, fighting whether we were doing this or not. Um, but it does make some of the things challenging because... Um, I also, we also, I also have a son. She has a brother and he is an owner of the distillery. I guess a minority owner at the moment. Um, so between the four of us, we approach a problem from four different ways and there could be a lot of back and forth and back and forth along the way till we get to, uh, get to a, a solution, get to an answer. I guess our, our name by itself was one of those examples of, of, a you know, a, a long drawn out journey to get to our name because we all disagreed. And so that, that was really in a, talk did, a little bit about the creed, talk a little did, bit about the creed. Did anybody though, but did anybody just want to name it badass bourbon company? Because I feel like that would be an amazing com- like company to have. Oh yeah. My husband would have named it that in a heartbeat, <laughs> man. How do you came up with all the ideas and then just, it's what you get, yeah. man. When you don't go, when you don't go to the, go to yeah. the academy, you, you don't, don't get to name the, the shit. Absolutely, yeah. you got it. You got it. You gave up that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the name and how you guys came up with it. Uh, so okay. our name kind of comes from the home farm, and we named it after our home farm because I grew up there, my dad grew up there, his dad grew up there. Like we been on the home farm for a long time through multiple generations but we didn't necessarily know exactly what we were going to name it we just knew we wanted it to tie in to the farm somehow and while i was researching distillation history in shelby county i came across some documentation that found that the foothills of the jephthah knobs where the farm is located the Jephthah Knob was actually named by Squire Boone and Daniel Boone when they were exploring the area before Kentucky was even a state. And they decided to name that Jephthah Mountain, at the time they thought it was a mountain, after a biblical warrior in Judges 11. So, like, we found this documentation of state history. We had our own family history tied into the land. There was a biblical component that my mother loved. So we just knew that Jephthah had to be in the name somehow. And then we chose Creed as a promise because we grow the grains. We're very open with our customers about what's going into their bottle. I mean, we tell you the mash bill and everything. And also, we just wanted to make a promise to uphold our values as we continue to grow and expand our company. So we chose Creed. And that's how we ended up with Jep the Creed after fighting about it for like a year. And it does sound like a good Kentucky name, by the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. It sounds Actually, like some a, some boy in a holler somewhere in eastern Kentucky. Hey, Jephthah, what's up? I have had people message us on Facebook that are like, my name is Jephthah or my last name is Creed. Who's Creed? Who's Jephthah over there? So it's that does happen. <laughs> you could really mess with someone and say that you saw this like hillbilly on the side of the road and he had this really cool story. You named it Jephthah and you named it Creed from Rocky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking about the Creed, the the musical group Creed too. Yeah, I just I was just listening to Creed the other day while I was working out. Um, 
But you guys have your family model, your family creed that you go into a little bit of detail on on the on the website there, which is interesting. Uh, I'm I hope I I don't butcher this uh, pronunciation. I'm I'm going to do my best though. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Neubli. Very close. Neubli. Okay. Neubli, which yes. means never forget in in Scottish Gaelic. So talk a little bit about that because I find that very interesting. I like. Um, you know, things that are pulled from, from family history, uh, always, always interests me. So speak, speak to that a little bit about that, about that Scottish Gaelic, uh, slogan there. Sure. So prior to the distillery, I had done a lot of ancestry.com and traced the, uh, family genealogy, my husband's side back to Scotland and the ancestor that um, came over here from Scotland, came over in 1715. He was fighting with the Jacobites in the first Jacobite uprising and uh, against the King of England, against England, and the Jacobites lost. This particular ancestor got captured, but for some reason the king didn't immediately kill him. The king said, I'm going to put you on a ship, send you across the Atlantic, and you're going to become an indentured servant in the colonies. Well, he he did that under those circumstances. Hey, Sam Hewen is that one? They, they haven't they haven't watched Outlander. Apparently, they didn't get the joke. Oh, <laughs> I don't have Showtime. It, it was Sam Sam Fraser, wasn't it? Anyway, anyway, no, it's Jamie Jamie Fraser, but Jamie was... Fraser. That's it. That's it. Um, Sam, if you're listening to this one, my bad. Joke didn't land. <laughs> um. Okay, he got sent over here, couldn't go home and get the crest, so it stayed there, over there in Scotland. Then Autumn uh, went over there to study at Harriet Watt, and she, one of the things she learned and she found is she found that family motto and crest, and that is Ne Uble, ancient Scottish Celtic for don't forget. So she called home and told my husband about it, and he got literal goosebumps because he can remember his great-grandfather talking to him and saying, now, boy, don't you forget where you come from. So it was a family value that had come up through the generations, even though the crest got left back in Scotland. So we find that to be very powerful, very much about who we are and what we want to be about. So on our bourbon bottle, we have put Neuble on the bottom, on our foundation, mm. Yeah, you can kind of see it there. Yeah, you can see it. Yep. Yeah, you can see it. So you can and not forget to get your next bottle. Hmm. It's so clever. It's so clever. All the little nuances of bottles and things that are on there now, right? It's not just whiskey. It's story. And the bottle sometimes tells a lot of that. Speaking of stories, we need to talk a little bit about the whiskey we're drinking because I'm almost done with with this and <laughs> I'm just going to start drinking without y'all. Um, we are drinking the uh, oh, I got to go to the right one. Sorry. I got I was like cutting ahead. We're drinking the four grain uh, bourbon. This mash bill is 70 percent bloody butcher heirloom corn, malted rye, malted wheat and malted barley. Yes. I have to say the malt comes through to me. So malt to me kind of has, and I don't want to say this is a bad thing because some people might think it's bad, but it's not bad. A musty, almost a little bit of a musty smell to me when I eat with the malt. 
Uh, I get it in scotch as well. I don't just get it in, in, in a bourbon. But you guys have, a, it's a very unique taste. And I think that it hits the front of the palate, the back of the palate, very, very interestingly. But also the, the, the nose is very unlike a lot of what you're going to have in, in a normal whiskey. Because while you're getting, I think, from the, the palate perspective on, on the tasting notes, you're getting some very familiar things there. The nose is very different. It's throwing you for a little bit of a loop. So, you know, your brain taste disconnect is, is there a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the bloody butcher itself has a different flavor profile than you would get from yellow corn, which is what most other bourbons use. But then we add the malt on top of it because we think that bloody butcher just naturally has this earthiness to it that the malted grains really lend itself well to. Is that the bloody butcher corn right there? Yes, this is bloody butcher corn right here. It's not really showing up red in this thing that well, but this is really red. It's like a blood red. Um, and this is the corn that we use. It's, it's an heirloom corn. It's non-GMO. It is open pollinated and it's been documented in use since at least 1845. So it's very, very old fashioned. And what that open pollinated means is that each kernel on this cob is a seed. And we save these seeds over the winter, plant them back the next spring and get the same exact corn again. So it's very, very sustainable. Okay. And that is, you know, it's just very, very beautiful. And one of the things we like to talk about is our corn cycle and, and how it's all so sustainable. But what this corn does um, is it gives us this beautiful, unique flavor profile in our bourbon that I just am in love with. I think it's awesome. And it is kind of a little bit earthy. Um, I think it's more it, earthy on the nose than it is on the palate, to me at least. I think it's actually sweet on the palate. Yeah. Yeah, it gets a beautiful sweetness. We make a vodka out of this also, and, and the vodka is 100% bloody butcher corn. And it has um, a flavor in it. It's sweet in that vodka phase uh, up to like a cake batter, a cake batter type flavor. So it's that kind of sweet. Um, so that's in the bourbon also. It's it's lovely. And I really like the combination of the bloody butcher corn, and it's it's inherent earthiness with the malted grains um it's just a beautiful combination that i think is awesome and it gives us a unique flavor profile so we do stand out um in tastings and things along those lines with all the other bourbons i mean i was not going to go into this when i can when i had the concept of ground to glass it's like i had to have an heirloom varietal corn i wasn't going to do this with the same corn that everybody else was using and just be another me too kind of, of distillery. Um, we needed to have and be something unique and be something that was true to us and true to the farm. And the uh, yeah. heirloom corn is doing that for us. Who came up with the, uh, the tasting notes on the, on the cards here. It was a combination, a combination of several of us here at the distillery. I think it's interesting because you have peach cobbler and I'm actually getting that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think I you get it. a lot of fruit and it actually it comes from the bloody butcher. We did some testing. I don't remember what the test is called. It's a GS. What's it called? Mom. Um, gas chromatograph. Thank you. GC. The, yeah. The GC test. We did one of those and it's the isoamyl alcohol that we can pull from bloody butcher that is off the charts compared to a yellow corn bourbon 
And that is actually what they use to get the banana flavor and like Laffy Taffy. And I think you really do taste that in this bourbon because you get so much fruit flavor mm-hmm. coming through. Just different kinds of fruit, as you could tell from just our the nose and our tasting notes that we've sent you. Yeah. I, whoever whoever said uh, thought of hydrangeas and geraniums and those like flowering aspects, I immediately got that. I don't know if it's because I read them or not, but I actually... Also had some toasted uh, pecans earlier today and I tasted that immediately too. So like usually when people come up with tasting notes, it's pretty, it's pretty generalized and it's like, okay, yeah, I guess I get that because you told me to get it. But those I actually got like pretty, pretty significantly. So great job. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. This, this is 98 proof. And we brought it out at, at straight, um, so that we brought it out at two. Uh, it has gotten to age up as we've gotten to age because we didn't source anything. Everything that we have out has been distilled, uh, actually corn grown, and we distilled it ourselves. So um, our bourbon will never be older than we are. And this is now uh, the next batch going out is going to be four, a full four, and we'll, Autumn will be changing the label. So the age statement will be coming off because it will be four. Yeah, we get this last run of labels done and then we'll change the label up and it'll be a minimum of four years old from now on. Well, well, let's talk about this because the next one that I think we should probably try is a bottled and bond heavy rye bourbon or rye heavy bourbon, which is very easy. If it's bottled and bond, it is 100 proof and it is four years old. So those are two things we know for sure. Absolutely. So it is 100 proof, and um, what is in your bottle is from the season of spring of 2017. So um, it came out, you know, as four. So it was distilled, aged, and bottled here at Jephthah Creed. We did it all. We're all control freaks. And um, it's 100 proof, and went in, like I said, went into the bottle as spring of 2017. It is rye heavy and it's a malted rye heavy. All the grains yeah. in our bourbons are malted. So for the- just for everybody out there, it's hundred proof, 75% uh, bloody butcher heirloom corn, 20% malted rye and 5% malted barley. So it's still a bourbon. We- We've talked about this with other people we've had on the podcast, even fairly recently. But just for those listening, maybe some new listeners out there, the difference between malted rye and unmalted rye, because you seem to be making a a distinction on the malted aspect. Well, I think it's an important distinction. Um, What malting is, is like what happens to the the barley when we make malt for the malt in in every other bourbon. Uh, You take that grain... And in this case, the rye, we're taking the rye and putting it in water, allowing that seed to just germinate, just barely germinate, and then halting that germination process right where it is by drying it. And what that uh, germination process does is it actually converts some of the uh, components over to enzymes. Now, barley does that a lot, so that's why barley is used uh, more heavily as a malted grain than rye, but rye also converts over to enzymes. And I think what 
um, that that process does is you still get the pepper, you still get the spice from the rye, but it's more mellowed. It's more chill. You know, it's, it's not as in your face as a, a raw rye would be. So I think punch you in the face with the spice. Yeah, I think that's something you're going to experience here when you taste our bottled and bond rye heavy bourbon is that you you get all of the spice components. They're just a little bit more mellowed out, a little bit calmer. It smells like a greenhouse to me. It's interesting. uh, Sorry, go ahead, Connor. I was just saying I get a lot of floral aspects on both the last, the foregrain, and now this. And um, I enjoy it. I, I think that the rye on this is definitely is definitely noticeable more so than than y'all had it on the on the foregrain. But it's it's a bit it's definitely more subtle than I would have expected at, at, for a twenty percent rye um, mash bill. Do you, is that because of the heirloom corn that y'all are using, or is that because of the malted aspects? Probably, like you just explained. I think it's more prominent because of the malted grains that we're using. I mean, all of the corn that we did use in this is the bloody butcher corn. So we still have that um, earthiness from the bloody butcher corn. And, um, and that's probably where all those, some of those florals are coming from too. And that's definitely the bloody butcher corn is definitely where we're getting some of those fruit notes uh, that we have with it. The, the, when you were talking about the, uh, the rye, I was going to ask if the malting just kind of took a lot of the spice out. Cause I don't get any of the rye spice. I, I'm like Connor. I get more floral notes. I think it's, I, I don't get any kind of like spice to it at all. It's got like a little sweetness. Again, I think the nose and the palate are a little, are a little different. Uh, but like, I don't get your traditional like baking rye spice, but also, you know, it's 70%. It's only 20% rye. So you're not going to, it's not going to kick you in the teeth. Like, like a rye would, it's 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 very light and crisp to me as well it's not it's 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 dry as well it's not like a a, a wet pour it's a very dry pour it kind of almost reminds me a little bit of a of a wine sweetness with that dry finish it, which is weird now that that's got to be the corn the difference in the corn right like that's where the sweetness is coming it's it's so different. Like, and I don't want, I don't want people to think, or you guys think like it's bad or anything. It's, it's just, it's different, right? Like if you're going and you open this and you're expecting what you've drank probably your whole life and to get, look, everything's different and you can get some really big variations, but this is very different, right? From the nose to the palate, to the finish, it's very different. So it's one of those things where I want to sit and probably like drink a couple glasses of this. You, you have to kind of nuance your palate. just like, I would relate this from a bourbon perspective for people who have drank makers their whole life, then try and go drink Lagavulin. It's a different kind of bourbon. It's still bourbon. It's still good, but there's so many different nuances. And if your palate is not the jump there, (laughs) but, but it's to me, there's so many different nuances in this compared to what you would get in like a lot of your regular bourbons that you see on the shelf that work. you, You have to work your way through it so you can get it. And then once it's there, right? Like it's just training your palate. It's so different. I like it. I'm not saying it's not bad or anything. It's just so different. It's why my brain just kind of like kapoof because everything I'm tasting is just different than what I'm used to. It's complex. And that yes. was on purpose. We wanted it to be different. 
because a lot of times, I mean, even just for people who, when we first started in 2016, a lot of people just assumed that what we were putting out was MGP just because that's what they were used to. And that's not what we wanted to be. We didn't want to be just another bourbon on the shelf. We wanted it to be different. So we were very careful in choosing the grains that we use and the flavor profiles we were going to go after. We wanted it to be different and complex. And I think right. the rye really shows that. Yeah, I, Paul, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I, I get a, a, a pretty prominent rye aspect on, on the palate, actually. Um, I get a lot of baking spice on the palate, like almost like a, uh, the first thing that came to mind was like a ginger snap cookie uh, while drinking it. <clears throat> and I'm looking at the tasting cards here after the fact. And it says uh, with whispers, which a great descriptor, by the way, of ginger and cinnamon. So I, I get that more on the palate, like actually drinking it and rather than that, rather than on the finish. But uh, I think that this is a very, this is a bourbon with, Lots of rye aspects on the on the palate, not so much on the nose as much, but on the palate, there's a there's a nice mingling of of corn heavy bourbon with a really unique type of malted rye that's that's almost and Paul maybe like it's almost smoky in nature in a way, but um, maybe that's where you got Lagavulin because that was that was no, quite well, I, well, but, I wasn't trying to make it like that was that big, but it, I'm I'm saying when you when you have someone who just drinks bourbon or just drinks scotch, right? And you, you put something, one or the other in front of them, their first thing is like, Ooh, that's, that's different. Right. And it takes, it take look whiskey. Very rarely do you drink whiskey the first time go, that shit is delicious. Usually you just want to spit it out and breathe fire. All right. Like I get it. Some people do speak for but, yourself, man. And it's what not about, <laughs> all right. You just said you didn't like whiskey when you were 18, you degenerate. So I, I, I'm comparing this. This is almost like you have, to me, it's like you have bourbon, you have rye, you have scotch. This is almost like another lane, right? I feel like this is a, you've created a fourth lane from like a palate perspective that you almost have to train yourself with. That's very interesting. And like you guys said, it's complex. And if anything, it's a kudos to you all that you basically kind of created a flavor profile out of nothing. Abracadabra, congratulations, you win. Take <laughs> it. That better, better, Connor. You like that better? Like it's the fourth lane of tasting like notes. Is that better or fifth? I guess because you have to go like American whiskey. I guess then you go the fifth, whatever. And Irish and Japanese and Indian and Australia. There's a lot of different things. Oh, man, ain't nobody drinks Japanese whiskey. Um, Shut up. But yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I just think that it's more of a kudos to, to Joyce, um, in creating a, a, uh, a mingling of flavors that I haven't really experienced before with how different the aspects of both the bourbon and the rye are kind of dancing with one another while that. experiencing the entire experience while, while experiencing the entire kind of, 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 um, you know, from the nose to the, to the palate, to the finish, it's, it's different. And I, I, I sometimes people say, Oh, it, they use different words like, Oh, I'm just trying to say that to not be mean because I actually don't like it, but I actually do like this quite a bit. And I, I can see myself finishing this. I can see myself drinking this with a cigar because of that ginger snap aspect on, on the palate. Um, 
so the fifth lane, Paul, what you're saying, I get what you're saying. I just think it's more of a kudos to, 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 well, I don't want to say just Joyce. I want to say her husband and you yeah. too, Autumn, all three of y'all, um, for kind of creating a nice little, it's like a salsa dance between the, between the bourbon and the rye. I think it, I think it works. It definitely works. That's a beautiful visual. I love that. Thank you. Um, our mission at the, you know, at the beginning, and I love that it's, it's working out so, so well and that the bu- bourbon is so beautiful is my mission is I wanted to let this bloody butcher corn shine. You know, we, we have gone and committed ourselves to going the extra step of actually growing the corn that we are cultivating it and taking care of it and fighting the wildlife for it, literally, that I wanted that corn to be able to shine, to be in a bourbon and shine through it. And I, I think we have achieved that. And the rye bourbon bottle and bond does kind of show that. And the the dance, like you said, the dance between the bloody butcher corn and the malted rye, um, I think it's beautiful because the, the, those baking spices and, and the pepper and, and all those components are here. They are in the bourbon. Um, it is just more muted. It is more mellowed out. It is calmer. It's, it's more relaxing than um, a lot of other rye heavy bourbons. Sure. Well, we got one more to yeah, try. Yeah, I agree with that. This Ooh. one, this one looks like it's going to be this. This one looks like it's going to be a party in a party in your mouth. This is the red, white, and blue Kentucky straight bourbon. It is one hundred proof, twenty five percent bloody butcher heirloom corn, twenty five percent heirloom white corn, twenty five percent Bruce's blue heirloom corn, twenty percent malted rye, five percent malted barley. I need oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a long mash bill. But but when you boil it down, this is the same mash bill as what we just tasted. This is the same mash bill. It's just of the um, of the corn, rather than being one hundred percent bloody butcher, it is one third bloody butcher. So this is one third red, which is the bloody butcher. You have this blue is one corn third in here, white. though. It has one third blue, and this is a blue that <coughs> my husband developed. That's why I call it Bruce's Blue. And um, we did this for our first anniversary. Our first anniversary was on Veterans Day of uh, 2017. And my husband had grown this blue heirloom corn also. So I had a red corn and a blue corn. I sourced a white corn and did a red corn, white corn, blue corn, bourbon mash bill. (laughs) That's so dope. Cooked it that way, fermented it that way, distilled it that way, put it in the barrel and aged it that way. I did not have a red corn bourbon that I blended and mixed with a white corn and a blue corn. No, we cooked it this way and fermented it this way and distilled it and barreled it and aged it all separate as this red, white, and blue. For some reason, Joyce, please take this as a compliment. I feel like you're the Walter White of bourbon. <laughs> You're talking about all these different colors. Walter White's making beautiful. Well, maybe beautiful is not the correct word, but I'm going to say it. Beautiful blue meth. And um, <laughs> you're over here talking about cooking all this different the, types of colored corn. Bad guy? Yeah. Yes, it's breaking oh, bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the Walter White the of bourbon. You're talking about turned meth dealer. Yeah. yeah. And you're a chemistry teacher turned 
turned bourbon maker. Distiller. Whiskey, whiskey distiller. So <laughs> there are definitely that. Paul, that's uh, mark that down. We got to clip that. That's gonna be the. That's gonna be the. Uh, the TikTok. Um, <laughs> Forty-two minutes in. I, yeah, I, but I truly. Like you're well, and I didn't even think about the fact that Walter White was a chemistry teacher. Good, good, um, good catch on him. I job, was Connor. thinking more of of the fact that like you're so intricate in what you're what you're putting into your into your distillate and like exactly um, specific percentages in in different types of corn that most people probably can't don't know what the hell the difference is but you do and then you said cook and i was like all right walter white and then you guys are both ca- yeah no joyce you are 100 percent the walter white of whiskey distilling so congratulations we should start a tv show <laughs> here we go next promotional thing tv show nice, nice to meet <laughs> you walter. Get on it. come on nice to meet you walter hey, i have had hey, a couple of people tell about? me that we would be a fun reality tv show to watch sometimes mm-hmm. What are you talking I, about? I, I we already we already have a TV show that we could potentially be working on. We'll just throw them in it. No, I'm talking I'm talking about a, like a like a scripted, fictionalized. You just Joyce wanna... plays the female Walter White. Oh, okay. You just want Breaking Bad to come back. I would love it, Autumn. Who do you think you would? Who would you play in that in that show? Do you think? Oh, I don't. I I really have absolutely no idea who would I would play. I don't know. Like, I really don't. I haven't seen the show, and I haven't seen the show in such a long time. But yeah, that, like, he has to have I, a marketer somewhere. He has to be like. Selling. Would it be Jesse? But Je- no, I Jesse. I feel like that's Jesse, kind of an insult. But, but yeah, I'm not really thrilled with being. Yeah, Jesse. no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be thrilled either. <laughs> let's. Uh, I'll. I'll get back. Let's. Let's think about that. Let's. Let's ponder yeah, I don't have that. To think about that one. I really don't know. And then we'll. I'll, I'll message you on Instagram My one day. Be like, hey, Autumn, by the way, this is your Breaking Bad character. <laughs> um, once once I figure it out. Like a bad BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, now this one is a little different. We released it. It's a once-a-year release. It will get released on November 11th of every year. Um, that's because we did open to the public on Veterans Day. In 2016, so we will always be sharing our anniversary with Veterans Day and honoring our veterans is something that is is very important to us and it's a, a value that we, we, we hold dear. So this particular um, red, white, and blue bourbon, we donate portions of the proceeds to a veterans organization. And uh, we have barrels of it here at the distillery. So if you come to the distillery and you served – and this is all on the honor system. We don't check your ID or anything. Um, if you served or if you're currently serving, we ask you to sign our barrel. And if you want to remember what barrel number you signed, you can take a picture of it or just, you know, if you've got a great, great memory, remember it. But we have included a QR code on our label that you can go and scan this QR code and then see all of the barrels that went into this batch. So you can know that if awesome. the barrel you signed – is in, is in this batch or not. And if you really want to find one, you can come to the bourbon ball and bid on it because they have donated one for our bourbon ball that benefits Folds of Honor in July. So there you go. Love it. Love it. Love it. Good. It's I was already sitting that after we got it, off. It's already sitting in the uh in in Connor's bedroom at my house that is not gonna have room for him when he comes to my house. <laughs> A bedroom Filling at up. your house. That sounds interesting. Yeah. 
Filling up with whiskey, bro. Filling up with whiskey. I don't know if he wants it is to complain the about area. that. Just snuggle with it. Just get in the get in the bed. Throw the covers off. Just surrounded by whiskey bottles. I feel like that's a great way to sleep. It sounds excellent. Sounds He's ignoring. Excellent. He is utterly ignoring me. He by is the way. focused on his tasting right now. I'm trying to figure out how this differentiates from the bottle and bond heavy rye. Because it is very similar. But there's a little bit, there's there's like a, a nuance that's a little different that makes me know that this is this blend and, the, and not the heavy rye. And I can't pick it out. I don't know what it is, and it's bothering me. The heavy rye, I think, is a little sweeter. It's not just sweet. It's, it's, it's specific. And I'm trying to... For me, there's this one mm. flavor that I get on the bottle and bond rye that I don't get in the red, white, and blue, and it's on the finish. And it is in the bottle and bond rye, I get just a little bit of dark chocolate, and I don't get that in the red, white, and blue. Mm. I get more of like, and this is not a bad thing, more like a copper penny kind of flavor off of the red, white, and blue. Yeah, mm. I, I agree. Mm. Mm. Well, I think actually that this red, white, and blue is, in generalized terms, a bit sweeter than the heavy rye. Uh, I think it's got a little bit more. A little bit. I think it's a little bit more spice to me, at least. It's got a little bit more spiciness. Joyce, can you tell us the correct answer, please? Well, everybody's <laughs> taste buds are different, and I think I think you're doing fine. I think you're doing just right. In my taste buds, the red, white, and blue is a little bit smoother um it doesn't have as much of the earthiness it's a little bit brighter um i think it's also sweet but um maybe not as sweet as the bottle and bond uh rye um but i think it's it's more it's more smooth it's more mellow and i think it's because of the corns that the the white corn and the blue corn that doesn't have the earthiness of the red it doesn't have that earthiness of the of the bloody butcher mm. and it's it's got a little bit more calmed down uh flavor profile from the in my opinion from the uh rye okay a bit more calmed down i mean i guess i i, I guess what i what i get is a is a bit of a heavier almost like um like a but like no not butterscotch a uh, like a like a honey candy a, a tad bit more on both the nose and the palate on the red white and blue um maybe that's because of the different types of corn I, I would assume that's probably why that's the only difference but uh there's there's a little bit more of like a candied aspect I think on the red white and blue in, in some capacity and uh but man are they similar man are they both good I mean this this is a uh, a really this is a uh, this is classy like Ron Burgundy. No, Anchorman. Will Ferrell. No, nothing. Yeah, Sorry. I'm hard to think of it. It's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good Wasn't thing. I said kind it as an obnoxious thing. character. <laughs> no, what are you talking about, Joyce? <laughs> I'm thinking about the wrong one. The wrong Phil, Will Ferrell character. <laughs> Okay. No, Ron Burgundy, obnoxious, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I think the red, white, my, and blue. It's my favorite. Cool. It's my favorite movie of all time. So I, I 
I said it as a compliment. That's what I, how I meant. It. <laughs> okay. Blew up. Just didn't. Just didn't end well for you, Connor. It's my favorite movie, and I meant it as a compliment. How did it not end well? I did. I was not aware that it was your favorite movie, and I I, I appreciate that. Thank but you. Compared to a favorite movie, that's got to be awesome. Yes. Yes. Who just joined? Hi, Ross. Kick me out. Oh, you can stay around. We're almost done anyway. Uh, ladies, tell everybody where they can. Uh, it's always fun when, and I don't realize where I invite everyone to, and then you know someone else just shows up to the show. Uh, ladies, tell everyone where they can find your brand and uh, and and get your. How many states are you guys in, by the way? Uh, currently, we are in five states, and starting on April first, we'll actually be in six because we'll be adding Ohio. Uh, you'll be able to get the rye bottled and bond in Ohio starting on April 1st, which is very exciting. Uh, but currently we're distributed in Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, Illinois, and Missouri. And then if you're in the United Kingdom, you can order our products through the Whiskey Exchange. Beautiful. And where can people find you online? Where can people find you for socials and to learn more about you? Uh, if you want to learn more about us, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all at Jep the Creed. Uh, our website is jepthecreed.com. And uh, feel free to reach out to us. We're pretty much always on social media at some point. Aren't we all? <laughs> well, hey, Autumn, <laughs> Joyce, thank you both for uh, coming on. I'm glad that we finally got a chance to meet the Walter White of Whiskey Distilling. What, a, what, a, what an honor. Gonna have you to add to come up with a privilege. Or you have to come up with a Walter White release, special release, oh. and then tell the story. Well, we do have a line called Bloody Butcher's Creed that I could come out with a Walter a Walter White. Uh, Something. I definitely, think, I definitely think you have to have Connor come help you blend it, though. Like, that's only fair. I love that. <laughs> that, would be, that would be amazing. We could have but, the uh, with Friends Walter White special. Oh my gosh! I put Connor's face in like a in like a medical fit mask don't on do it, that. so no one can don't see his that. face. You want to sell bottles, don't you? <laughs> just, put him, yeah. just cover everything so no one knows it's him. We're just like that's actually Connor. You can't tell, but he's ugly. We didn't want to put him on the bottle and scare people. We'll set that up. We'll set that up. Sounds awesome. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. This is really fun and uh, really glad we got to try through this. This is going to be, I'm going to finish one of these bottles out, having a cigar one of these, uh, one of these nights soon and, and kind of just in, enjoy and let my palate learn some, some different things. Well, I uh, think this is perfect for what we do. So enjoy it. We definitely will. Definitely will. And thank you guys for donating to the Bourbon Ball. We really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening. And remember, Bourbon with Friends can change the world. That's it for this episode of Bourbon with Friends. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a review to make it easier for others to find the show. You can also check us out on Instagram at BWF Podcast. Thanks for listening.